Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Today's reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a book. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh and bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, 
and this my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Please take a moment for silent reflection. Let's pray together. Gracious God, in this very moment, as we hear this ancient story of you meeting Moses, if we've been around church for a long time, we've heard this story before, and even if church is something new or distant for us, we still generally know the story of Moses and the people in the promised land and let my people go. We've heard this story, it's somewhere in our psyche, and yet it'll just remain on the surface unless you fill us with your spirit and breathe life into us. And that's what we ask right now. In the midst of all our distraction and comfort, in the midst of all our confusion and fear, in the midst of all of our vitality and addiction, in the midst of all our connected relationships and loneliness, in the midst of all of it, Help us to see that we have more in common than we realize. On one hand, each of us created in your image, beautiful, worthy of dignity and honor. At the same time, each of us fractured, broken. What we might say as the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And you see us in all our complexity and contradiction, the ways we get it, the ways we don't get it, and you love us. Your response is to give yourself to us in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. And so we ask now that you'd convince us of your great love for us, whether for the first time ever or for the thousandth time. Bring us closer together and closer to you and send us out to be your very hands and feet of renewal wherever we go. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I still remember it like it was last night the first time I went to Mount Sinai, the place where they say that these things we just heard happened. It's in the middle of the desert, and it was the middle of the night, and I say it was the first time I went to Mount Sinai, it was also the only time, so it was the last time I went to Mount Sinai too. It's not like I do a yearly trip there or something. But you go in the middle of the night, this is what they don't tell you, because it is hot there. It's Egypt for crying out loud. It's the Sinai Peninsula. It's in the middle of the desert, and it's boiling hot. So the bus comes up to the ancient St. Catherine Monastery at like 11 o'clock p.m., and you begin climbing. There's no light pollution. So it looks like you're climbing into the stars as you go up these switchbacks. And as I'm having kind of this really solemn, sober, beautiful, holy experience, I begin to feel this breath on the back of my neck. Now, I had brought a bunch of college students out there, totally other story, but we were working with refugees from the Sudanese Civil War. And I brought these college students out there, and I thought one of them was playing a joke on me and just kind of breathing, literally breathing down by neck while I was climbing in this sacred pilgrimage. How dare they? And I turn around to confront them, and I, <laughs> it's actually a camel. <laughs> a camel an Egyptian desert camel breathing down my neck with its terrible camel bad breath and all of that. And I would say moment was almost ruined, but I was able to get back into the frame of mind as we continued hiking to the top. 
And once you get to the top of this mountain, the sun rises, and you're in awe. And literally, there's a part later on where God will say, Moses, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. I took off my shoes. I got into it. And as soon as the sun rises about five degrees off the horizon, you realize it's about to be get, become 195 degrees real fast, and you rush back down into St. Catherine's Monastery. It's in the middle of the wilderness. No one's exactly sure where these things took place, but this is the spot where for thousands of years pilgrims have come to remember. Why do you think they do that? They come to remember that in the midst of our ordinary lives with busyness and work and family and health and wealth and poverty and sickness and all of the complexities, God broke through in this place. Now, the interesting thing is it takes place in the wilderness, the inhospitable land, the place where you wouldn't expect life. What feels like wilderness right now for you? You probably don't have to look too deeply until you could find at least one part of your life that feels uncontrollable or confusing or chaotic. What if that is the exact spot where God wants to show up and surprise you? That's what we read about and consider this morning. During Lent, we're going through the book of Exodus, which is the story of the people of God going from crushing slavery into freedom, but there's a process to it. You can't microwave it. There's no fast forward button. They have to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Or as one theologian said, it took God one night to get Israel out of the slavery of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get the slavery mentality out of Israel. It's a process. So we're going to be considered this calling from slavery into freedom. As today we look at this passage and consider that God calls us to freedom, God qualifies us for the journey, and God commissions us to go and be agents of that same freedom. God calls us, God qualifies us, God commissions us to be agents of that freedom. First, God calls us. God calls you to be more specific. Note here that who initiates the contact? In this spiritual experience where Moses meets God, who takes the initiative? God. Moses is not on a spiritual quest looking for God. Moses is minding his own business. Moses actually is on a quest of running from God, we learn in previous chapters. God always takes the initiative of looking for you. God broke through. Now, I know someone says, gosh, burning bush, right. Like, this is what I can't stand about organized religion, about Christianity, is they come to us in 2022, where we have artificial intelligence and blockchain and all these other things, and try to get us to, like, believe in this Bronze Age view of the world where trees can talk, right? Like, that's what I just can't stand. A burning bush, please. But I want you to realize that Moses thought the same thing. <laughs> A burning bush, please. Like, this... You, you, might know, you might have a lot more scientific worldview. You might know what an atom or a quark or a lepton, or maybe you don't know what those things are. No, neither did Moses. But Moses did know that bushes don't catch on fire and not burn up. Like, he knew that. 
He was shocked. He was surprised. He was startled. But he's probably even more surprised to hear anything from God. Because at this point, scroll back over 400 years prior, and you have what you call the fathers of the faith. Sorry, patriarchal society, I'm no more proud of it than you are, but that's how they categorized it. Abraham had Isaac, had Jacob, had 12 sons. And one of those sons was Joseph and went off into Egypt and made a name for himself. It says, and then there was a new Pharaoh who knew not who he was. And these Israelites who had found themselves in Egypt were enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. Twice as long as the United States has been a nation. They'd been enslaved. Hadn't heard from God had heard old stories of how God had liberated and cared for them against the Assyrians and the Babylonians and others. But right now, they're in slavery. And their parents don't have stories of God breaking through. And their grandparents don't have stories of God breaking through. And their great-grandparents, and on and on, all the way down through Ancestry.com to the 16th century for us. No stories of God breaking through. Silence. Where does it feel like silence right now for you? And then you look at Moses' life, born into that slavery. In fact, born into a condition of infanticide where they're wiping out children left and right. Escapes in a basket, becomes a refugee, raised as Egyptian royalty, and then realizes that he's actually an Israelite. So he's been raised by the conqueror and realized he's part of the conquered. Talk about an identity crisis. And his anger boils up. He strikes down an Egyptian guard, kills him, and runs for his life. And that's where our story picks up today. Moses is running. Moses is confused. Moses does not have extra resources. He's at the end of his rope. And then he hears the call. Moses. In the midst of all of that, you know, I meet with so many of you who have convinced yourself that because of your life circumstances, because of where you are particularly right now, that God has forgotten about you. You figured that your career would be in a different place by now, and since it's not, you must be on plan B or plan C or just off the road altogether. You thought by this point you would have a spouse or that your marriage would be going better than it is. You thought by this point you would have children or that your children would be going better than they are. You thought by this point you would have health. And you begin to reason, since I don't, God must not be here. You know how I know that? Because I do the same thing. Moses is doing the same thing. And I want you to see that it's not only possible, but it's likely that God will meet you in that particular moment of desperation. You think you missed the off-ramp, and so you're on a detour, but it's actually spiritual Main Street where God wants to do his best work. God meets you in the midst of disappointment. 
Where do you hope for God to meet you right now? As I say that, something came to mind for you. Where do you hope for God to meet you right now? And beware of that second voice that comes and says, yeah, but he can't or he won't. I want you to know when you start getting that inner self-talk, you're in good company with Moses and with the rest of the people of God. And the answer that God gives you in this text is, no, that's actually the place where I want to meet you. In the difficult. But also in the mundane. See, on one hand, if you zoom out, Moses is in the most difficult part of his life. God meets him there. But also, Moses is in kind of the most boring part of his day. We catch up with Moses here, tending the flocks of his father, Jethro, and Midian. He's got a new career. He's a second career guy. He's a, he's a shepherd, and he's tending sheep. He's doing his everyday thing that he knows how to do, and God interrupts the cycle. God does not meet him in the Holy of Holies or at the temple. God meets him at his job. I mean, imagine tomorrow you're finishing up emails at 3 p.m., getting ready for a meeting, and it's there that God interrupts you in the midst of the mundane. So many people say, you know what, Matt? God's just not breaking through to me. I'm praying, I'm asking for God to meet me, and it's not happening. And I ask, what would be different if God did break through? How would you know if the miracle had happened? And often friends will say, I never thought about that. God could be breaking through to you right now, but you're just too busy to notice. We have more distractions than ever. I do not have to convince you of this. I recently heard one study was done. We have more words thrown at us every day from our small screens to big screens to billboards to everything else more words thrown at us every day than the size of an average length novel or more. What if God was trying to break through in your life right now and you're just too busy? Note one of the ways that Moses responded. It said, and so he had to turn aside. There's actually activity involved. There's intentionality involved. There's a decision that you are going to be vigilant, that you are going to be aware of God in your life, and then turn toward where you see God at work. Now, this happens in some kind of organized ways. It's the church's role to give you some footholds for that to happen. That's why we have community groups on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, so you could do this spiritual journey in community. It's why during this Lenten season, we have fasting together where we do without something, even some good thing, to create space for God to move in a new and fresh way. It's why we have membership at the church and a membership class taking place so we can actually make official our commitment toward one another on this great journey. So it happens in some organized ways, but it also happens in a million organic ways. question is, how might God be trying to get a hold of you now? And what would it look like for you to turn aside, to be more intentional in this particular season of your life? God calls you in the midst of your discomfort and in the midst of the mundane. But God doesn't stop there. When he calls you from slavery into freedom, God qualifies you as well. See, scripture is refreshingly honest. It doesn't say And so Moses was tending the sheep and had a bad day and God met with him and Moses just felt better for the rest of his life. 
Like everything just went better for Moses all the time. It doesn't say that. Not even in the first five minutes. God is meeting with the creator of the world and the creator of the world says, I hear your plight. I see the violence that's happened to you. I care deeply about you. I'm going to empower you. I will send you forward to the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh, to say, let my people go. And Moses' first thing is, I can't do it. Right? Who am I? Who am I that I should do such a thing? Then, he, then God answers that and he goes, well, then who are you? I love the refreshing honesty of the self-doubt going on in Moses right here. And note how God meets him. God does not come to him like Tony Robbins or like some sort of a self-help guru going, look, you're good enough and you're smart enough and you just need to channel your inner strength. You just need to put your best foot forward. God begins not to talk about how great Moses is, but begins to talk about God's own track record. Okay, follow me here. So when Moses says, I don't, I don't think it's going to work, how do I know that this is going to happen? How do I even know that I can get in from slavery to freedom? He's, God says, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is much bigger than your own existential moment. You are part of a much bigger story than simply all that you see and experience right now. Your experiences matter immensely, infinitely, and they take place in a much bigger story of God's creation, renewal, and redemption. So he begins by talking about the past. You're a part of a story in progress. But then he talks about the present. So Moses says, who am I to tell them has sent me? And God says, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. Which, let's just be honest, that's just an an interesting grammatical construction. That's an odd way to answer the question. Who are you? I am. Right? That's odd. Let's think about what God is saying to Moses in that moment. He essentially answers him with the verb to be. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I act in time and I'm not constrained by it. Every time zone is present to me right now. I always am. I'm infinite. I'm indefatigable. You cannot wear me out. I o- I'm always as fresh as right now. And tomorrow I will be too. You can count on me. I am. So just quick insight, best practice, pro tip. One of the marks of a deep spiritual life is that you can be completely present in the moment to the people around you. Now you hear this, right? I mean, this is a lot of best, like, kind of our culture aspires to this because we're so distracted. We either analyze the past, replay it, or we anticipate the future. But the hardest place to be is right here and right now. Part of the deep spiritual life with God is you can say, since God is present right here, right now, I can be present to the people around me. You want to heal things from the past? Of course. You want to make amends where you need to? Definitely. Should you make plans for the future? Please do. But you can be right here, right now, with the people around you. I am that I am. So God talks about the past, the present, and then the future. In verse 3, how do I know this is going to work out? I will be with you. 
This is a refrain that you hear throughout Scripture. God goes to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 9, Do not fear, because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jesus, after he's been crucified and resurrected, says to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, and I'll be with you always till the end of the age. God does not give busy work. God does not need you to do God's work for God. God wants a partnership. God wants a relationship. God doesn't just send you out and say, good luck, hope it goes well. God says, I will go with you. I will be with you. You know who you're with really matters? I remember before COVID and all that, we went to the Kaboo Music Festival over at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. So some of you might know it as what, the San Diego County Fairgrounds or something? It's the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Just like Qualcomm's always going to be Jack Murphy Stadium. San Diegans unite. And we're over at the, at the uh, music festival, and my friend already had these great access passes. Kenny, thank you very much. And, but we met this guy who had like more access, access passes. Like, you could do anything you want. And at the end, we were going to Mumford and Sons and then Duran Duran. Like, two amazing bands. And this guy with these super all access passes goes, hey, you're with me. So just stay close to me as we go through. We went through this private entrance toward a private bar with a private restaurant. You, you try to pay, there was no place to receive your money. Your money's no good here. Everything was free, and we end up in front of Nick Rhodes, the keyboardist for Duran Duran, as he's playing his heart out with the finest food and drink at the festival. How do we get in there? Because we knew somebody. It matters who you're with. His access had become our access. His status had become our status. His wealth had become our wealth. God says, I will be with you wherever you go. So you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because I'm with you. Where do you need to see that God is with you right now? See, on one hand, it can comfort you. It can give you a new resilience, a new buoyancy, a new ability not to minimize the pain in this world or medicate it, but to actually face it. It also makes you the kind of person that can walk toward the pain of others courageously, compassionately. It means that we can be a church even in our startup phase, entrepreneurial startup church phase, and we can try big things together. We can have know your neighbor and have too much food for everybody, too much music for everybody. We can invite everybody in the neighborhood. Who do we think we are to try to feed the entire neighborhood if they show up? We believe God's with us wherever we go. We think God cares about bringing people who are isolated into community, who are hungry to be fed, who don't know that God loves them to experience God's love in person, to have joy in the midst of a life that's difficult. These are all marks of the kingdom of God, and so of course we rush into it. You can go into your workplace and view it not merely as a way to improve your resume, a stepping stone to a better career, more money, more um, you know, ad admiration and all that, you can see it as a way to use your good talent and education in a way that provides value to this world. You can become the most valuable team member, not only because you're excellent at what you do, but because of how you treat the other people on the team. A whole new way of being in this world.
This is why we equip you to live out your calling in your family and in your workplace. This is why we not only focus on the material needs, the communal needs of, of North Park, but also we walk alongside our ministry partners 15 miles south of here in Tijuana who are pouring themselves out on behalf of people with nothing. It's always a both and because we believe the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies you as you're called. God doesn't call Moses because Moses is already the MVP. Moses is lost. God says, I know you, and I'll give you what you need along the way. I'll be with you. Finally, God commissions. It's remarkable where every place in the Bible where something like this happens, where a person meets with God, they're shocked, they're surprised, it always goes something like this. Genesis 12. God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will bless you. Through you, all the nations will be blessed. Okay, what should I do? Go. Leave the land you're familiar with, and I will tell you along the way where you're going. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, I'm a person of unclean lips. Get away from me. I shouldn't even be near you, God. And God says, I will bless you. I will transform you. So go, and I'll be with you along the way. As I mentioned in Matthew 28, Jesus says to his disciples, after the resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go. And here, God meets with Moses and says, I will be with you. So go. Get out. Set forth. How would you know if you've actually encountered God? you wouldn't merely have some sort of an exciting emotional experience. You know, the tears come, the hairs on the back of your neck raise up, you feel like you met God. Sometimes that happens, but that's not the mark of meeting with God. How would you know that you've encountered God? And not just a self-created God that likes all the people you like and hates all the people that you hate and likes all the things you like and hate all the... How do you know you met with God? the direction of your life has changed. You begin to go to people that you wouldn't have otherwise gone to. You begin to go forth in a new direction. Moses became a burning bush to the world. Inexplicable, powerful, a paradigm buster, holy ground, attractive. And people turn aside they say, I can't, I can't figure this person out. They give themselves on behalf of me, but they don't need anything from me. They're not using me. They're not manipulating me. They truly just care about me. They look around the environment on their block and they want to make it better. Not just use the block or use San Diego like a playground, but actually invest in it. Where is God inviting you to go? But I leave you with this. Don't try this without the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. As incredible, amazing, inspiring the call of Moses is, you realize he's just a signpost pointing toward a greater Moses. 
This Moses went up a mountain to meet with God. But in Jesus Christ, the true Moses, God comes down the mountain to meet with you. This Moses would take his his people from slavery through the Red Sea into freedom. But Jesus, in his death and resurrection, would take his people from slavery to sin and death itself into the promised land of new life. Don't try this without the gospel. Moses will eventually see God face to face, but Jesus is the actual face of God, revealing the grace of God in person. And he calls you to enter into this ultimate promised land, to be on this deeper journey. And he tells you even sin and death and fear and injustice and brokenness and isolation will not have the last word, but new life will. He says, follow me. And so to follow him, to be united with him, means that the same God who called Moses who liberated his people from slavery, the same God who brought his people to the promised land, the same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead calls you right now in the midst of your discomfort. The same God commissions you and says, I will be with you wherever you go. The same God calls you to go forward into this world. And as you do, the world is transformed. But as we do, we are renewed as well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we pray now that just as you surprised Moses on that day, that you would surprise us. Just as Moses was going about his daily activities, as do we, that you would wake us up to your grace, convince us of your love, call us into your mission of renewal, remind us that you are with us wherever we go, Give us a sense of your great delight in us as you send us forward to be an outpost of your resurrection. We pray these things in your name. Amen.